Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Romans chapter 6, we're reading from verse number 1. Where we say, what then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse number 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall live also with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. Do not not present your bodies as the instrument of unrighteousness to to sin, But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instrument of righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we 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 are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. But do not do, but do, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether it be sin leading to death or to obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanks that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as the slaves of of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your bodies as a slave of righteousness for holiness. Verse number 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have when in the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, Having been set free from sin and having become a slaves of God, you have your, you have your fruits to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. There are so many things that are packed into this particular verse, into this particular chapter of the Word of God. But I want to highlight three major, I want to highlight them in three major headings. The first one you see is the fundamental question that Paul the Apostle was asking. He posed in this particular chapter. The Bible says in verse number two, sorry, in verse number one, it says, shall we continue, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? In other words, because you have been delivered from the, because you have been delivered by Christ, because the Lord God Almighty has delivered us from sin and we are no longer under the condemnation of the law. Paul is now asking, is that now a license for believers to live anyhow? Is that an opportunity? Because we are no longer reckless. Sin is no longer accounted unto us. Is, now not, is that now an opportunity for us to live the way we like? And Paul gave the answer in that same, in verse number 2. He says, certainly not. How shall we, who have died to sin, now live, live any longer in it? In other words, what, you have been ta- what has been taken away from your life, what you have been delivered from, what you have been freed from, he said, how then do you go and entangle yourself again in the things that you have been separated from. In other words, when now we have, been, we have been delivered from the power of sin, how do we now allow ourselves again to make sin, to allow sin to entangle us? That was the first question that Paul the Apostle put in there. A fundamental question concerning Christian conduct. In other words, as long as now that you are a believer, the expectation of heaven is not for you to continue to live a life that brought you to where you were in the first place. The expectation of heaven is that you are no longer going to be entangled with the things that kept you in captivity in the first place. The behavior that put you in bondage to sin. The behavior that made you a slave to the enemy. The behavior that made you a slave to, to Satan. He said, now that you have been free from that particular part, from that particular bondage, see, you don't, the expectation of heaven is that you are not going to go back into it. The second thing that Paul the apostle was asking, is based on why he asked the question in the first place. And that is that Paul now began to make a case for righteous living. In other words, he's saying, now that you have been delivered from sin, now that you have been brought out of that particular terrible condition where you found yourself, now that you have been, the chains of sins have been broken because of the sacrifice of Christ, he said, what is now the case? How are you now supposed to live? What is the case for the case for righteous living? That is what Paul the Apostle started debating and started arguing beginning from verse number 3. The Bible says, how do, or do you not know? That's many of us who were baptized unto Christ, Jesus were baptized unto his death. In other words, when Jesus, when you identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, you identified with his death. That's what Paul is saying. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism unto death. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. He's saying that because you have accepted, you have identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, because you now call yourself a Christian. Because you now want to be named by the name of the one who has won victory over death. Paul is saying, your life should reflect that particular life that you now identify with. Your life should now say that, yes, you have now been set free from the works of the enemy. You are no longer entangled by the things that used to entangle you. He said, walk in the newness of the life of the person that you have now been identified with. The reason is because when Christ died, you died with him. When he rose up again, he rose up and gave you a new life. That's what that, that is where you are right now. And that's what Paul is trying to say. He said, for we, verse number five, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
In other words, you have died with him. Certainly also, we, uh, certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. In other words, if you died with him, and now Christ is alive, you are now been risen with him, the life that you lived before is gone, you are now supposed to be living a new life. That's the argument Paul is making. And in verse number 6, he said, knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him. In other words, the life that you are living before is gone. That behavior is gone. That attitude is gone. The life of sin is gone. He said, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, we should no longer be slaves to sin. Which simply means that now that you are no longer, now that Christ has taken away your old life, now that your old life has been buried, he said you are not supposed to be entangled with that thing anymore. The chain that held us in the past should no longer be able to hold us anymore because we have been set free. You are no longer living under that law anymore. For those of us who migrated from Africa, when you now live in the United States, you are not, and you are no longer, as long as you are living in the state, you are no longer living under the laws of your native countries. The restrictions that used to happen in your native countries are no longer applicable to you now that you are here. You are now subject to a new law. You are subject to a new government. You are subject to a new way of life. You are supposed to be living in that particular new star. Now, if you are now living in America like you used to live back home in Africa, you are going to get yourself in trouble. And that is why a lot of people, they, you know, that is why a lot of us who are here, we have some challenges because we have not been able to make that transition in our thoughts, in our lifestyle, in our behavior. And that's why we do some crooked things. There was a story that was told of a Vietnamese guy. Came to the U.S., was relocated here in, uh, uh, in Smyrna. And so eventually he found out that there was Persepolis Lake very close to us here. So he got on Prasipris Lake and when he was back home in Vietnam, he was what? He was a fisherman. So the guy thought, okay, this is Prasipris Lake, let's go. He got his boat, got on Prasipris Lake and started fishing. He did not realize that here in the U.S. you need a license to fish. Okay? And that there is a fishing season. The man now started fishing. Ha! He saw the fishes, he was ecstatic. Brought all his coolers and started fishing. He fished and fished and fished, all the things were full. And the interesting thing was that he stood at the shores of Pacific Lake and he was trying to sell his fish there. And that was when the park ranger showed up. And they asked him, where's the license? He said, I don't need the license to fish. The fish is in the water and I catch it. He said, is that so? <laughs> is that so? <laughs> the man could not understand why he needs a license to fish. When the water was open, there are big fishes in the water. He could not understand it. He has forgotten that he's no longer in Vietnam. He's now in the U.S. <laughs> the point I'm making is the same thing that you find as believers. You are no longer in the world. You are no longer under sin. You are no longer under the bondage of sin. So you cannot live anyhow. You cannot talk anyhow. You cannot go anywhere you want to go. You cannot dress the way you want to dress. You cannot behave the way you used to behave in the world. You are living differently. You are under a different umbrella, a different administration, a different kingdom. And that's what Paul the Apostle is saying. You cannot say that you have now been translated into the kingdom of the Almighty God and continue to live the way you used to live. You cannot do that. If you do that, you are acting like the Vietnamese. You cannot be fishing in open water without a license. You cannot live anyhow. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us as believers. So the first thing we see is the fundamental question concerning the conduct of the Christian believer. The second thing we see 
is the case for the Christian behavior, for, is the case for righteous living. And the final thing that we, the, the, the final heading that I want to look at this whole chapter under is the insensitivity of the dead to sin. The insensitivity of the dead to sin. Look at verse number 7. The Bible tells us that. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has died has been freed from sin. There's a verse of the scripture where the Bible tells us that there, anyone who is dead to sin, you say that particular person is no longer under dominion. Verse number nine, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. What that simply is telling us is this. If you see a man, we are going through a funeral service. We are in the church and we are lying in state. And the person that is dead is in the casket and they're doing open casket. And by the time you get there, you are crying, you are crying. And by you move your head close to the casket. And that person says, oh boy, why are you crying now? What do you think will happen in that place? <laughs> or you say, ah, how come, uh, how come uh, the lipstick is very heavy on the lips of this woman? And she says, what's your business? <laughs> I mean, do you, can you imagine the kind of chaos that will be in church that day? Just imagine the kind of chaos that will be in church that day. People will go every, I mean, the pastor himself, I'm sure will, there's always a road at the back of the vestry that they can use to disappear. The whole place will be in chaos. Why? Because the dead is not expected to respond. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. <Mr>. Joe. <laughs> the point I'm making is that the dead is not expected to respond. When you are dead, you are dead. If you are dead and you can still see that somebody is criticizing your lipstick or criticizing your hairstyle or they are saying that the tie is not properly fixed, that person is not dead. And that's what Paul the Apostle is saying in verse number 7. He said, for he who has died has been freed from sin. In other words, when sin comes and you are dead, you don't respond. When somebody is criticizing you, you don't respond. When you are tempted with money, you don't respond. Why? Because you are dead. But if you are not dead, if they put it in there, you will say, ah, this thing looks good. You will respond. Somebody says something about your hair, you are going to respond. Somebody says something about your character, you will respond. If somebody says something that you don't like, you will respond. Because you are not dead, you can hear. And your body is still there. But once you are dead, certain things should no longer work. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is making the point that when a person dies, no longer, person no longer responds to physical stimulus. He's saying that when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we died to sin. So sin should no longer be appealing to us. You might be cooking the best the best food in town. If you are placed, if you are cooking it next to somebody who is dead, that person does not respond because they can no longer hear. Their senses are dead. They can't see you. They can't respond. They can't feel. They can't hear you. And that is what God is saying. Spiritually, you are dead to sin. You are not supposed to respond to the stimulus, the desire to lie, the desire to cheat, the desire to do the things that are opposed to the word of God. He said you should no longer be able to do it because you died in Christ. And now you are alive. You are in a different environment. You are operating a different law of responding to, to other things. So we are no longer expected to live and to respond to the impulse of sin. Sin was not supposed to be attractive to us anymore. We are no longer supposed to be controlled by it because we are dead. Dead men don't feel pain. Dead men don't respond. But if you do continue to respond, something is wrong. So those are the three buckets 
that Paul the Apostle tried to use to, uh, he, he, he tried to uh, place his argument in, in Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 6. The correctness of the Christian conduct, the case for righteous living, and the insensitivity of the dead to sin. Now, I want us to, you know, that is what chapter 6 is all about, but I want to focus on certain area. You will notice that the ideal that Paul the Apostle painted for us, that ideal is that once you become a believer, you are supposed to live a life that is above sin. You are supposed to live a life where you are no longer responding to the stimulus for sin. But the reality that many of us believers are experiencing, the reality is that we still respond to sin. It means that we still, you know, are capable of sin. Many of us are actually still struggling with sin. Many of us are living in active sin. Many of us have besetting sins that we struggle with on a regular basis. And Paul is saying, for those of us who claim to have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, who claim to have died in the sin, in the water, died with him in the waters of diabetes, claim to have been in a new life with him when he resurrected, Paul is saying that should not be. You are not expected to be fighting with sin anymore. You have been liberated. You have been delivered. Sin is not supposed to have dominion over all. The question is, uh, how come we are finding it very difficult to live above sin? Why is it that believers are having difficulty living above sin? That's the question. Why is it very difficult for believers to be able to live a life that is above, that is above sin? Why are we not living a victorious life over sin? Why is, the, why is, still, why is sin still having dominion over us? That is the question. And this is a challenge. It's not just for those of us who are here. It's not just for those of us who live in twenty in twenty nineteen. It's all over the world. All throughout the church age, there have been a problem with this issue. Believers not being able to live a life above sin. Paul the apostle himself made a co- made a confession in Romans chapter seven. By the time you read verse twenty four, when he started describing the things, he said, "These are the things I want to do, but I cannot do. The things I don't want to do is what I do." He began to talk about the conflict that was going on inside of him. And in verse number twenty four, he said, "Oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" So we are not the only one facing this challenge. It is not unique to us. It is not a, it is not, it's not something that is special to us. It's something that is a reality that goes through the life of everyone who has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. On the, on, the reality is that the Christian life that we lead, many of us are not experiencing it. We are not enjoying it. That's the reality. Christ has won the victory for us and we are not experiencing it. And the question is, why is there a challenge? For believers to live a life above sin. Why is there a challenge? Let me suggest some things to you. Number one. Many people who are in the church. Are having challenge with sin. Because number one. They are basically not saved. They have no idea what it means to be saved. If you ask people when were you saved. They say because I, I went to church. I was sick. A pastor prayed for me. I, my headache went away. And now I started coming to church. And that's salvation. That is not salvation. That is not salvation. So many people are having problem with sin because basically they don't understand the word. They don't. They, they, are, they are not saved. Some of them. Some of us are. Some of us are having challenges because we don't really know what it means to be saved. Many of us are having problem with sin because we want to live the Christian life in our own strength. And the Bible says that by the arm of the flesh shall no man prevail. When you are trying to satisfy God in your own ability, you are bound to fail because the Christian life is an impossible life. Outside of the grace of God. Outside of the spirit of God. So number number four, the reason why many of us are struggling with sin is because we have, as for some reason, ignored the nature and the power of sin. We've ignored it. 
We think sin is sin is no longer sin. We play with sin. We mess with sin. Not because we, not because we are not sin, but because for some reason we think sin is not sin anymore. So we do not understand or we do or we underestimate the power and the nature of sin. And then finally many of us continue to live a life below the life that God intends for us. Is because The reason is because we have not learned to discipline our lives. As a result we live a very careless, loose life. We have interpreted certain things in the scriptures to mean what they are not. Our freedom in Christ does not mean you live a careless life. Freedom in Christ does not mean you live a life that has no restraint. Paul the apostle said after preaching to others in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said after preaching to others I, pre- I, he said, I restrain myself lest after preaching to others I be a castaway. In other words, there is a need for discipline and that is what is lacking in the life of believers and that's why we do not live a life that is above sin. Now I want, you, I want you to understand is this, why this discipline is important is because there are two aspects to your salvation. Two aspects. The first aspect is the spiritual aspect. And that is what Jesus Christ did for us. On the cross of Calvary, that became effective. The minute Jesus Christ died, he said, it is finished. And on the third day, when he rose from the dead, he gave us a new life. And anyone who accepts that offer of salvation, that particular individual, immediately is translated into the kingdom of God. That person becomes saved. That person becomes Delivered from the works of hell. That individual becomes a, 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 becomes a candidate in the house of God. And God reckons that person as a son and as a daughter. In other words, you, as soon as you accept the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, the salvation that Jesus purchased for us on the cross of Calvary becomes effective in your life. That is the spiritual angle. That is the spiritual element of our salvation. But there is a physical element of that salvation. And that's what Paul, that's what Peter was saying. He said, walk out your salvation with what? With fear and trembling. What does that mean? Does it mean that you are not going to go and kill yourself and become No. He's saying that there's a physical dimension to that salvation. And that physical dimension means that you allow the work of God, the word of God to do a work of transformation in your life. It means that you submit yourself to the word of God and let it begin to do the work of pruning. Let it begin the work of transformation, the work of turning around, the work of moving you from where you are to where you need to be. Let me give you an illustration. A man who got born again at the age of 70. For 70 years he has lived a life of carelessness. Lying was not a problem for him. Stealing was not a problem. Cheating was not a problem. He has formed a habit of, che- of, 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 of undermining other people. He has lived 70 years outside of the ha- outside of the will of God, outside of the character of God, outside of the things that God demands. Then one day he hears the word of God. And this individual decided to give his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe the word of God. Believe the gospel presentation. Give his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Instantly his heart is saved. Instantly he's translated into the kingdom of God. Instantly he's a child of God at the age of 70. But does that mean his character of cheating other people? His character of stealing? His lifestyle of fear of promiscuity? Does that mean they are instantly changed? No! His habits are still there. His behaviors are still there. His tendencies are still there. The things that he used to do, they are still there. Yes, spiritually he has been translated into the kingdom of God, but physically he's still living on this world. You still have those same behavior, some the same weakness, those same proclivity, all those things are still there. If he remains on earth without being translated immediately, he will have to learn how to bring his body onto subjection to the word of God. That is the physical element. 
And many of us are having difficulty with sin because we don't understand that relationship. Okay? The word of God, we must cooperate with the process of transformation. We must cooperate with the process of renewal. The Bible says that we should renew ourselves. We should allow ourselves to transform it. The transforming word of God must work in our life. There has to be that element of submission to the power of God to transform us from the inside. The work of God must work on us inside of, inside of us to make us the people that we are supposed to be. And that is why the believer as they mature, you see a difference. That's why Jesus Christ, that's why Paul the Apostle said in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said that he that is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. What that means is that that individual begins to change. If you know that person before, you see their character. You see their anger. You see their you see their viciousness. The way they deal with life is different. But as soon as Christ comes in, you see it begins to chip away certain things out of their life. They no longer lie. They no longer cheat. Certain things that used to excite them no longer excite them. The things that they used to do, the, the things that used to you know, uh, capture their fancy, those things are taken away. Their love is now directed towards something else. And the more they spend their time in the Word of God, the more they allow the Word of God to work in their life, you will begin to see that things begin to change in their life. They become a new person. Why? Because they are cooperating the, with the process. They are allowing the grace of God to do what the grace of God can do in the life of an individual. And that's why Paul the Apostle, Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1, reading from verse number 5, he said, giving all diligence. He said, now that you are saved, he said, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And then he began to list the things that you need to add to your faith. In other words, salvation is not a static experience. Spiritually, you are transformed into the kingdom of God, but you are required to continue to add to your faith on a daily basis. Say, add to your faith virtue. To that virtue, you add knowledge. And to knowledge, you add other things that you keep adding. And then before you know what's happening, you will not be able to fulfill what the psalmist said. He said, the part of a righteous man begin to do what? Begin to grow brighter and brighter and brighter like a noonday. In other words, you mature in the things of God. You grow in the things of God. Your character begins to show the character of the Almighty God. Your behavior starts showing the behavior of the Almighty God. People who saw you a year from the day you were born again, they can see progress. Five years after, they can see progress. Ten years after, they can see progress. At one point in time, they can now say, this is a godly man, this is a godly woman. Why? Because you have allowed the word of God to do the work that it can do in your life. When you cooperate with the process, you are able to live a life that is above sin. The question then is, why is it very difficult? Okay, Why is it very, very difficult for us to orient ourselves with the realities of the new life of the that is in Christ Jesus? Why is it very difficult for us to be able to align our lives to make sure that we live a life that glorifies the name of the Lord? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult for the African or for the Vietnamese to stop living in Vietnam even while living in Nigeria, even while living here in the U.S.? Why would they, why is it very difficult for them to stop fishing the waters without getting the license? Why? The reason is very simple. It's because we are creatures of habits. Okay? And because that habit has been built inside of us, unless you bring yourself, unless you subject yourself under the authority of the word of God, that habit will end up causing trouble. But beyond the habit, beyond our habit, is number one, the knowledge of sin. Because of the knowledge of sin, it is very difficult for you to live above sin. 
What does that mean? The Bible tells us when Adam was given the straight, clear instruction that you can do whatever you like in the garden, but that particular tree do not eat of it. Remember what the Lord Jesus, what the Almighty God told Adam. The Lord told him, he said, the day you eat out of this tree, he said, you will have the knowledge of good and evil. What does that mean? The intention of the Almighty God is for you not to have, it's not for the two of them to coexist. That's not the intention of God. The intention of God is that you live, you have the knowledge of good, not the evil. But the day you put your hands into evil, what happened? You begin to learn, you begin to have the experience of good and evil. And that is why a young boy or a young girl is innocent. Until the day you expose them to vile, you know, to vile actions. They do not know there is, there is, a, there is a presence of violence. But because they are not exposed to it, their mind do not know it. So they cannot relate to it. Okay, it is there, but it doesn't affect them. Because they are not they, they can't relate to it. But the day their minds are open to experience it, now they can see both of them. And according to the power of sin, it has the power to drag down. And that is why when we tell young people, wait until you are married before you engage in sex. It's not because the people want you not to have experience of sex. The reason is because when those two experiences coexist, they'll have the power to pull you in the wrong direction. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.